keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. Welcome to The Quantum Leap Catalyst with Terry Ostroviak. In the next hour, Terry and his guests discuss how to accelerate your business success and turn possibility into certainty. So turn up your speakers and hold on. Here's your host of The Quantum Leap Catalyst, Terry Ostroviak. Hi, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. This is Terry Ostroviak speaking to you today, not from San Diego as usual, but from Tel Aviv in Israel. I'll be here for three weeks and uh, conducting the shows from, from Tel Aviv in Israel. And unlike San Diego, it's been raining today, although the sun's out at the moment, and blowing a gale. <laughs> we have a very interesting topic today. We are going to be talking about strategic use of technology to outperform our competitors and therefore grow our businesses more effectively. We'll talk about how to identify inefficiency in our businesses how to target areas that increase customer acquisition using technology as a communications bridge. We'll be talking about how to work in an entrepreneurial environment. And my guest today says, without innovation, business eventually stagnates, giving competition the advantage. My guest today is Glenn P. Murray. He insisted that I include the P. <laughs> He's originally from New York. He's a happy San Diegan, has 20 years of diverse business experience in finance, marketing, and technology. He works today mainly with small to medium-sized businesses, and he plays an integral part of strategy implementation and business growth with several companies. He operates as a kind of business consultant, providing firms a part-time senior executive that works on-site in the areas of finance or technology. And that allows companies to access his talent, his experience, that would normally be far too costly and inaccessible at, at uh, the current stage of many businesses, in, in other words, in the initial stages. So let's welcome him today. Good morning to you, Glenn P. Murray. Hey, Terry. How are you doing? Very good. Now, there's a good reason. There's a good reason to include the P. See, Glenn is a very bland, one-syllable first name, and so without uh, the P, you know, there's names like Jonathan and Samuel, okay. and even Terry or Terrence. There's a little bit more to think about when you say Glenn. It's, people just go right by it. So I stick the P in the middle, and they have to stop and think about Glenn, <laughs> and then we move on to Murray. So that's where P is goes. for period. <laughs> I guess it should be in that case. <laughs> okay. All right, Glenn. We have a serious topic today. Uh, we will have a lot of fun, but it's a serious topic. So let's talk about this serious topic, which is strategic use of technology to outperform our competitors. What is missing in businesses that they need to get into this new 21st century age of technology? Well, in many small and even medium-sized businesses, because a medium-sized business is just a small business that uh, over some period of time, could be shorter time or, or a longer period of time, has grown, uh, and sometimes just by sheer uh, guts and, and determination, but not necessarily through efficiencies and things like that. Um, businesses sometimes miss out on uh, how technology can help them with efficiencies, uh, and, and of course there are some back-end financial savings in, in having some efficiencies, but also how technologies can help differentiate a business and help uh, acquire new customers. Okay, and without it, they just they wouldn't be able to do those kinds of things very easily. That's right, that's right. Well, it, it ends up being uh, a situation where 
many businesses, like I said, they might just gut it out for two years or five years or 20 years. Um, Give us an example of a system that companies have a feeling that they've got to stick with rather than moving into you know, faster, efficient ways of, of doing things. Well, many companies, many companies uh, tend to implement some type of rudimentary computer system, your legacy rudimentary computer system, 5, 10, 15 years ago, and because no one uh, has uh, experience in that area or they get kind of cozy, they end up doing many workarounds to keep that system in place, even though those workarounds um, could be supplanted by a new system, a new technology. So they like old shoes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So they spend 5, 10, 15 hours a week times 15 people doing extra work that they don't need to do that could be computed by an, an Excel, you know, something as simple as an Excel spreadsheet, but in most cases should be a, uh, a new ERP system or something. And it, you know, that sounds like a fancy, scary word that SAP is going to charge you $3 million for, but in many cases it's only $30,000 or, or $8,000. It depends upon the size of the, of the company. What is ERP? Uh, ERP. Gotcha. <laughs> You got me. Enterprise resource uh, planning system. It doesn't matter because nobody cares. <laughs> uh, most people are familiar with an MRP, which is a manufacturer's resource planning system. But unless you're a manufacturer, you don't need a, uh, a system that deals with manufacturing and, and supplies and converting. What you need right. is just a system that deals with your inventories, tells you how to place orders and at what critical uh, levels of your, of your system the demand equation needs to kick in, things like that. Right. Okay, so in other words, you, you, because you've kept up to date yourself, you've got an insight into what a lot of businesses could do to save themselves a ton of money by using worn-out systems that don't work as efficiently or as effectively as they should. Yeah, and like I said, it, it, it runs the gambit from um, implement, having someone come in and look at how their people are working and what kind of time they're spending. And I mean, I don't mean just looking and, and acting like a consultant wearing a, a $700 suit and uh, taking a few notes and sending a report. I'm talking about rolling up your sleeves, really sitting with the person for four to six hours uh, at a pop for a couple of weeks, watching that particular person interact with not only their external customers uh, and vendors, but also their internal customers, the people they work with inside the business. So you're saying that you, you act more as a coach and walk and stick with them until the system is operating perfectly. Right, for their I, business. That's right, and, and identify the critical areas where they're, they're wasting time. For example, um, I recently worked with a, uh, a construction company, a builder, if you will. Uh, yes. It's a fair-sized company. They do $20, 25000000 million a year. Uh, they've got uh, upwards to 70 employees total, uh, many of which are, are actually workers in the field, but uh, about 15 or so, which are office people. And so uh, this specifically was in the human resources area, and the human resources person was a very nice lady who's been doing it for many, many years. But because she's been doing it for so many years and because she wasn't really motivated to innovate her particular position, she'd been spending about 15 hours uh, every six days constructing information for payroll and for management uh, to, to derive costs on projects that could have been reduced dramatically. Yes. So I, spent, uh, I spent about three weeks with her 
uh, a few hours at a time here and there, and then studying some of the output that she generates, um, and reduce that 15 hours to about 34 minutes. Wow. And so that was by, by doing nothing more than creating an Excel spreadsheet that was more interactive to take the existing data that she kept typing over and over and over again into five, six, seven spreadsheets and kind of create a database that automatically generated the report she needed. She just needed to type that data in once, and then with a little bit of skillful programming in Excel, she's good to go for the rest of her life. Oh, it sounds like a dream in a way that you would come in and you would help somebody do that. She must have been so grateful for that because then she could get on to more innovative uh, ideas in her business. On the other hand, was it painful for her to discover how inefficient she was? Yeah, it's both of those things. Uh, both of those things. For the business owner, when I, yeah. when I give him a kind of a summary report, kind of three-quarters through the project, and tell him that I'm going to save him some, I think the calculation in this case was $22,000 a year in time, uh, that's, that's a, a great wonderment. That's excitement for him. Yes. Uh, now he's got he's to utilize that time and either uh, elevate her tasks so she's got higher-level things to do or give her more things to do. Or, of course, you know, there's a... <laughs> inevitable downsizing where her position might be reduced uh, if she's not interested in doing higher level deaths. In any event, uh, the, the savings was there. Now, for her, like you said, it was a little bit painful. Um, she recognized and she was interested in learning new things uh, as long as someone kind of held her hand and walked her through it. But it was a little, it's, it's always painful when someone says, guess what, you've been doing this in any of it, you know, inevitably wrong, basically. Yes, for such a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah she must a be better way. Mm, kicking herself, thinking about the inefficiency and, and the cost of something like that. And that's just one simple little exercise that you do, right? Right, exactly. Other businesses I work uh, you know, in areas of uh, putting in a new computer system that might help them with product ordering. Some businesses every night or every two days or once a week, they have to comb the shelves and they got a piece of paper or a legal pad. They're writing down orders, and they have to manually fax them or call them into vendors. And all that can be done in, in literally seconds with a, a decent computer system and someone who spends a little bit of time learning it. Okay. And so there are there are thousands of these processes, as you'd say in America, or what we would say very often in if we were speaking English English <laughs> processes. <laughs> That, that people get stuck with, that, uh, that just um, sort of generate themselves from year to year until eventually that just becomes the way we do business around here. Exactly, exactly. And they build their organization around that inefficiency. And so where they have 25 people, they might only need eight. And, yes. And it, it grows like that exponentially. And, you know, right. someone tugs it out and tufts it out and, and grows the sales to, to basically handle the back-end growth but the fact of the matter is that the more, you know, I guess that they say a dollar saved is a dollar earned yes. because it's not necessarily the top-line growth of the company that makes the most money. It's reducing a dollar from expenses gives you one whole dollar in your, in your pocket at the end of the year. So to a large degree, you're not a cost-cutting exercise as much as a cost-saving exercise. Right. What you do. Now, that's a vital distinction there. So you're not necessarily going in there to, to, to walk around and tell people they've got to cut out this and cut out that and cut out something else and, and start operating ineffectually because they're not as effective as they were previously. But you're saying that they can achieve a higher standard, higher levels of quality 
um, with, uh, with much less effort and with much less cost. That's always my goal. My goal is to elevate the workforce to yes. higher and better tasks. Let okay. technology come in and do the things. Over the years, right. obviously, go back to the abacus right. and, and work your way towards the you know, the old-fashioned. Right. We're going we going into a break right sure. now. Sorry to interrupt you right in the middle in mid sentence there, but I'd really like to go through that, and we'll talk about what we do in the in the second period of the show. So stay with us. Be back with us in a moment, and uh, we'll talk later. Hi everybody, this is Terry Ostroviak, not talking to you from San Diego as usual, but talking to you from Tel Aviv in Israel, and it's not morning as it would be in San Diego, it's actually just after 6 o'clock in, uh, in Tel Aviv, in the Middle East, and it's not as warm as you might imagine it would be, in fact it's been raining today, and there's a big wind blowing. Our topic today that we're discussing is how to use strategic technology to outperform our competitors and grow our business. And our guest today, Glenn P. Murray, is talking about using technology as a communications bridge and helping people to work in an entrepreneurial environment, recognizing that without innovation, our business eventually stagnates and gives the competitors the advantage. So what he's actually suggesting is there are some simple techniques, systems, and maybe even a little bit of uh, extra equipment in some cases that can make a huge difference to an organization's bottom line. Then we were talking just during the break um, about the fact that it's almost impossible to be innovative and to be that creative internally in the business. We have to, there's a saying that says you can't be a prophet in your own village because nobody listens. There's a familiarity exercise that takes place that stops people from being able to get their message across. So when you come in from the outside, I mean, it can be very threatening for some people, but extremely exciting when a fresh wind blows through the organization. And in a sense, what you're doing is you're casting a stone into, let's say, a little pool, and the ripples are coming up on the pool. And you can't do that from inside the pool. You've got to be outside the pool to make that happen. And funny enough, even although people have said the same things internally, Somebody from outside saying exactly those same things very often can make things work that normally wouldn't work. So let's talk about uh, some of these things that you do, and then you give us examples of the way that you go about it, and uh, let's try to take a cross-section of things so that people can identify with what you do. Sure, and that's very true about uh, being outside the organization. Sometimes that does add that extra boost. Uh, yeah. it, it can be done from inside the organization, but it, it's much more difficult. Right. You tried a couple of times, and you probably just rubbed up everybody the wrong way internally, didn't you? You've, you've got to have, uh, you've got to approach it in almost a 100% perfect manner, otherwise you're right. The familiarity yes. uh, of others within your organization, the time you've spent with them, that's eh, a good idea, Harry, but, you know, we've tried that 15 years ago, and that won't work, that kind of thing. Right. Um, it really takes some significant episode to inspire people. Because just like me, you're a quantum leap catalyst. And a quantum leap catalyst is adding an, an outside element to the process that's going on there in order to achieve that result. Right, and it takes, like you do, in, in evaluating uh, people's skills and helping them maybe redirect efforts in one area that they might yeah. not observe. You've, you've got to generate a different thought process many times. Right, uh, than exactly. the usual, than the norm. 
Yes, exactly. It can't be. The, it can't be more of the same kind. You can't just work harder on the same outworn technology and outworn systems and, and and work procedures. You actually have to look at a completely different way to do things sometimes. And that sounds frightening. How do you make it not frightening? Well, regardless, having someone outside the organization with new thoughts is good. But you have to have one or more people inside the organization that champion the idea. Uh, okay. that, that might be just as much as saying, hey, I've heard about this guy, or hey, he worked with a friend of mine in another company, or hey, I read about this in a magazine and we don't know how to do it, but this guy might know how to do it, or somebody else knows how to do it. Let's talk about it. Okay. Give us an example of one thing that happened, or one client that you worked with. You don't have to mention names, but uh, maybe just the kind of business. Sure, sure. Well... You know, it varies, like I said, from things as simple as making uh, basic spreadsheet calculations uh, better by integrating them into a more interactive, dynamic uh, spreadsheet database to, um, to creating a, a larger, more efficient computer system that can help uh, people enterprise-wide from people in the warehouse to people on the front end uh, in dealing with customers. And really, it all, it, it all starts with identifying the type of uh, market structure you're in. Are you in a monopolistic type market structure where you, you basically have patents or, or commodities or something that you have a corner on the market? Are you more of an oligopoly where there are several different businesses that do the same thing you do with, with a little bit more power? Or are you in a more of a, a perfect competitive environment where it's almost a commoditized situation? So let's, right. let's throw out the monopoly side of it because... Right. Most businesses don't are not in that area. Most businesses are either in some sort of oligopolistic type scenario, almost like the airlines, yeah. uh, or a more perfect competition. And even in a perfect competition where everything theoretically is just identical, all the widgets or uh, bars of gold or something you can think of that's identical, even in those environments these days, there are things that technology can help you to differentiate your business to your customers than other businesses. And then on the other side, that's the front end. On the other side, on the back end, technology can help you with efficiencies. So in that market where, you're, where you can't really uh, raise prices because it's, it's far too competitive, you can gain dollar savings on the back end using technologies to integrate systems, communicate with vendors, communicate with other branches or associates throughout the organization. And you and you explain those systems to people exactly, and, and, and help set them up. In fact, you go further than that; you help set them up. Right, exactly. I, I'm uh, I'm a full turnkey uh, consultancy, I guess you would say, and so I'll I'll bring together the resources, whether they be uh, vendors on the on the system side to implementation people on the information technology side, or uh, accounting or finance people to help understand reports right. and data. You know, I, I would like to make this distinction about you, Glenn, and you, you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but it is a vital element that frightens the heck out of a lot of companies, and that is that you come in and you write a plan and then you say, here it is, this is my creativity on a, on, on a 25 sheets of paper, here it is, pay me, and, and then you leave. But you just don't do that. You're actually walking in there much more, if I make the distinction between consulting and coaching, 
right to the point where the person actually achieves the result, and you won't leave until you've achieved that result. That's part of the, the deal, obviously, that you make with companies. Is that correct? Exactly, and I imagine that's very similar. Well, you're sort of going over it very carefully, very, you know, sort of smoothly, but in fact, that's what people want today. They don't want major creative ideas that are dumped on their desks and then, they, and then they're too stupid. Well, they feel. They feel they are clever, but they feel too stupid to even question anything that you're saying and then don't know what to do with all this stuff. Exactly. You and actually imagine, work with them until it happens. That's right. And I imagine that's very similar to how it works for you exactly. uh, in your analysis and your coaching. Exactly. Um, yes, Exactly. I, you know, that's the whole. That's the promise. That's the distinction. People don't understand that about the about the the, the especially what I do, which is quantum leap uh, coaching, quantum leap results. You can't get it just from from just talking about it or being a positive thing. You really have to work with people until step by step, hold their hand, walk in step with them until the the result is achieved. And obviously, that's what you're doing, and that's phenomenal. And that's one of the ways I differentiate my business. I don't, like you said, just report off and say good luck. I actually work with them on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to accomplish that savings, making right. sure that the savings that I've given them outweighs any cost that they've spent on me, uh, you know, even if you look at it over a, sh- a shorter term, a two-, three-year period. Wonderful. And, and you can make sure that this is not a cost factor. This becomes a profit, a profit center for them, and they can continue to use you and, that's right. and know they're going to make money out of it. Right, and that's kind of the headline on my business card. My my company, business1001.com, is the website. But yes. basically, the headline is uh, business experience uh, utilizing technology to provide strategic business services to add net profit. Yeah, but you see, we can say that. A lot of people are saying that thing, and in an over-communicated to society, nobody even listens to that stuff anymore. So today I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to, to help you to, to, to define yourself as being totally different. I think that's vitally important. Let's talk a little bit more about the companies. Give, me, give us some more examples. We've got about three minutes now until the next break, so maybe you can just give us an example. Sure. So, uh, like I said, the builder who, who saves a lot of time on spreadsheets, the yes. small uh, retailer who uh, used legal pads to evaluate his inventory on a nightly, weekly basis, yes. the distributor who grew to $40 million uh, but still with a computer system that couldn't get the organization to be uh, as cost-savings or efficient in communicating orders with vendors um, or to, to helping customers to place orders. Uh, I've worked with companies who deal with multi-billion dollar international companies, Grumman, uh, Northrop, uh, some big aerospace companies, Hughes. So these people expect in the, in the year 2006 and beyond to be able to communicate without getting on the phone, uh, without having to fax a legal pad. By having data stored somewhere and having that data transmitted uh, with maybe merely a review of something by a manager and process that information on both sides of the, the equation. Right. And, and, and companies just haven't got the time to innovate like that. They're so busy doing what they're doing that they do need somebody from outside to come and help them look at a different way of doing it without disrupting their, their flow, their workflow, I imagine. That's right. In many ways, it is, it, it is just like a catalyst. It's a catalyst for the organization yes. to change. Yes. Yes, exactly. I mean, I mean, that's pretty clear. So 
what sort of what sort of other things? I mean, you talk about spreadsheets on the one hand, and you and you have. I know you worked in in a well, not retail really. Uh, one of the businesses you were in was uh, moving tools and parts, wasn't it? Yeah, it was more Using of a distribution, a tools and supplies distribution, distribution yes. organization. Yeah, and uh, I've got several more specific examples on technology. I'll mention to you after the break. Well, right. that, that organization utilized quite uh, a myriad of. Okay, and, and those were you, you were able to implement internally, I suppose, also. That's right. With a bit of difficulty, <laughs> probably. Okay. But I, but, but I can imagine. Okay, so let's just before we leave, before we go into that break, let's just talk about um, what it is, what sort of things are going, you know, get people to the point where they say, okay, we're going to allow you to come in here. Well, what sort of crisis have they got? Usually it's a crisis of growth. The company has not been able to grow as far as they had wanted to. Or the other side of the coin, the company has not been able to make the money on the back end that they'd wanted to, even though they think they've grown very successfully. And so yes. go back to where they have too many employees and they could have 25 people instead of eight. And, of course, growth a lot of times is generated from profit, and if you don't have the profit, eventually your growth can, can stall. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, those okay. are important areas to, to utilize technology to help your business keep moving along. Okay, that makes sense. So when we come back from the break, we'll talk more about that. So stay with us, folks, and uh, we'll chat to you in a moment about this very same subject. See you in a while. Hi, everybody. This is Terry Ostroviak, and today I'm not in San Diego. I'm in Tel Aviv in Israel, chatting to you at 6 o'clock in the evening, not at 8 o'clock as I would normally do in San Diego. So we've got people in Australia and New Zealand and uh, Indonesia that I know listen to the show as well and send me notes every now and again. Our guest today is Glenn P. Murray, originally from New York but lives in San Diego, and uh, he has about 20 years of diverse business experience in finance, marketing, technology, works mainly with smaller, small to medium, mid, mid-sized businesses, and works a lot on the area of integrating strategy into organizations that helps their, their growth in a very, very simple, easy way that can save an organization thousands and thousands of dollars. So today we're talking about how to strategically use technology to outperform our competitors. And he also goes on to say without innovation, businesses eventually stagnate. Many businesses just do that. And we give the competition the advantage. So let's talk more about that, Glenn. What are some of the things that you've done? Sure. Let's get into very specific examples of of, uh, certain technologies that you may or may not have heard of or thought about in your business. Right. I was mentioning uh, a couple of breaks ago about how technology, as it progresses, can handle more of the rudimentary, tedious tasks that people do. However, many times people continue to do these tasks because it's all they know. Yes. They haven't thought about how to be different uh, in their organization, and as years and months, uh, days and weeks, months, years go by, they stagnate and just keep doing the same thing. Maybe the volume of work increases, the time they spend on it increases, when really it could be the opposite. They could increase their volume and spend less time. Right. Or, or, or they could elevate themselves to be doing higher-level tasks that will help the organization uh, be more strategic rather than just process paperwork. Right. And so uh, I said, you know, I mentioned the Abacus, uh, the basic calculator of many years ago, Lotus, uh, now Excel, and, of course, computer systems that you can find, and, of course, the Internet, 
allowing us all to be linked, is basically one gigantic network throughout the world. And so specifically, I'll throw a couple of things out there. Every business has forms they use. Uh, they have uh, certain pieces of, of uh, they have flyers, marketing materials, things like that that they use on a regular basis. However, sometimes this information changes, and many people, because in the old days, the best thing to do with a form, much like letterhead, you'd go and you'd have 10,000 pieces printed up or 1,000 pieces printed up or even 500 pieces printed up, and it sat on a desk and, or on a shelf, and you used it as you needed it. But when things changed, you might have to throw it away or manually make changes to it or whatever the story is. Right. These days, you don't need to do that anymore. All forms should be, and I mean almost all forms, should be stored electronically. Yeah. I'm, gonna also, I'm just going to make a point right now. We should be asking the listeners today, how many of you are sitting with uh, sheets of paper lying around in different uh, um, drawers or, or shelves that maybe will be used at some stage but are probably just gathering dust? That's right. Fax cover sheets, credit applications, yeah. all the... The normal forms that every business utilizes. Yes. And so these forms can all be electronic now. And what, what does that do, making them electronic? Well, for one, it allows them to, uh, allows you to make changes to those forms so that as your business grows or changes, you might move to another location, you might acquire right. additional branches, you might have something new to talk about, a new slogan, a new color, right. a new logo. You can make changes to these materials without basically without any cost whatsoever. Um, and, and to me, this is a big, big, big part of business, and that's keeping your business dynamic. This is the antithesis of being static or, or, or becoming stagnant. If your business isn't dynamic today in the very fast-changing uh, world that we live in with the Internet and propagation of information the way it is, you're going to fall behind. It's inevitable. So now you've got, this, you've got these forms electronic so that you can change them, now they can be stored on what's what most people would call an intranet. An intranet is is an internet, except it's your internal website that only your employees know how to get to, and it's where maybe all of your data, uh, with regard to these electronic forms, is stored. So this could be things as simple as uh, the credit applications and fax cover sheets, all the way through reports that are generated by the Management Information Systems Department or the VP of Sales or something like that, so that he doesn't have to email those out to 600 employees or 20 employees. They're just there. Everybody knows they can go to this particular location, either on-site or from off-site, to find this information and utilize it on a regular basis. Right, and these are repetitive things that nobody has to really think about. I just wanted to make a point. If anybody is listening in at the moment and may feel that it might even be difficult to, to call in or you're not comfortable calling into the show, why not just uh, send me an email right now at terry at qlcat, which stands for Quantum Leap Catalyst, qlcat.com, and I'll deal with it immediately on the show, and we'll ask uh, Glenn a, a, a question about that, because I'm sure this is, this is such a vital subject and so interesting. So maybe uh, somebody would like to just work on that for a moment. Uh, of course, if you do want to phone in, that would be fine as well, and the, the number that you would uh, call in for that is the number that was mentioned earlier, which is one eight six six four seven two fifty seven ninety. Or if you want to dial directly from outside the United States, it's one for the United States, four eight zero six four three fifty four thirty. 
And that's uh, one way that you can get through to us and ask us questions. Let's carry on, then. Sure. Uh, I talked briefly about email. Of course, most everyone has email these days, but does everyone, and, and many people have access uh, to their email, of course, at the office, but many people have internal, personal email, uh, and then they have uh, business and e- another business email address. So the question right. is, can you access both of those? Of course, we're talking more about business here, but for the most part, can you access both your email addresses or your work email address from anywhere in the world? Or are you limited to being on-site at your office on your office computer? You'd be very surprised to know that most businesses cannot access their work email from off-site, uh, which is <laughs> insanity to me because many times you want to communicate from off-site. You might depart work early one day or come in late. You might uh, be working remotely. You might be at a customer site. You might be at a vendor site. You could be on vacation, uh, and many people say that's crazy. But the fact of the matter is, uh, the ability to check email or communicate with the office once in a while on vacation saves you a large pile of mess when you get back from that vacation or trip. Isn't that interesting? You're right. You're 100% right. That's why, I mean, somebody just wrote to me early today, just before the show, and said, Terry, I'm amazed that you can run your show from Tel Aviv uh, when, in fact, you're always in San Diego. He said, I just imagined that you were sitting in a, in a radio show Studio, but the reality is I'm actually uh, in an apartment in Tel Aviv uh, running exactly the same show, so why shouldn't I be in Tel Aviv? <laughs> exactly. And I can still continue my business and still use my computer. There's no reason that businesses shouldn't be able to interact with each other basically worldwide. Now, we know that you, know, you need some face time uh, on many occasions with customers, with vendors, with your uh, yes. However, when you're not together by face, it doesn't mean business should stop. Uh, exactly, like it used to. <laughs> yeah, business has to continue because your competitors, your smarter competitors, are doing that. and they're going, they're going to be more innovative. They're going to think about those ideas in the middle of the night and be able to communicate them to an associate if they have a meeting first thing in the morning. They do have things like Blackberries or uh, Windows uh, PC phones that allow them to communicate over the Internet and by email remotely. And this is how the world works these days. It's very interactive and it's very dynamic. Other, other examples, how do you communicate with your customers and your vendors? Is it only by phone? Is it only by fax? Both of those things are years and years and years old. They're still useful, but they're not very efficient because that means that someone's got to take that information and then once again transpose it into some other area that allows for something to happen. For vendors, it means you've got to place a, a product order and monitor when that order ships. For customers, it means you've got to input that order and monitor again when that order ships out to your customer. Why not use some form of electronic data interface, or EDI as it's called, where your customer can input an order into their own system at their company, press a button, and that goes through the Internet or over a phone line into your business system, generates an order, and it processes out. Maybe someone takes a quick look at it, but take that time that it used to be 25 minutes on the phone and another 25 minutes to input the data times X amount of customers that you have to maybe a minute for you to review that customer order. That saves businesses thousands and thousands of dollars and once again allows them to elevate themselves maybe on the sales order side, sales order desk side, to working on more complicated orders for those customers, back orders, hard-to-find items. These are the things that can help you differentiate your business from others. Hmm. That sounds very exciting, Glenn, really. 
really, uh, you know, that, uh, and, and it's impossible for us in our own businesses to see that stuff going on. All, all of us at some stage. That's why an outside catalyst in, in this kind of environment is absolutely vital because we just get too comfortable doing the same things that we always did. Yeah, it's almost a paradigm shift in your thinking. Why am I doing what I'm doing right now? And how is it either slowing or increasing my throughput? Everything is a result of throughput. How many orders can you put through your organization equals how much sales you can have that day? If you can yes. only input 10 orders that day for $1,000 a piece, then you can only have $10,000 in sales that day. If you can input 100 orders for $1,000 a piece, then you could have $100,000 in sales that day. That's wow. a very simple equation. Excellent. There's some yes. front-end yes. marketing attached to that to bring the customers, but once the customers exist, can you even handle the orders? Exactly, and you and you just show you show businesses how to do that, exactly, and how to make that work. We're going into a break again right now, and we'll be back for our fourth quarter in a, in a moment. Stay with us. Hi, everybody. This is Terry Ostroviak speaking to you from Tel Aviv, Israel, not San Diego. My guest is Glenn Murray, who is a specialist in the area of technology and how to bridge the communications gap in the area of using technology. Um, Glenn basically goes into organizations and he he calls it like an on-site turnkey operation. That's what he does, and works with people until they achieve the result, which I think is wonderful, compared with many consultants who will give you a plan and then leave you, leave you with the implementation of the plan. Glenn doesn't do that. So let's move on, and we'll talk. We'll actually start working on summarizing some of the things we've been talking about today, Glenn. Sure. And I want to bring one important, uh, one important point out about uh, how to – analyze or evaluate going into a project like this. Right. Many times you can quantify the cost savings. You can say, I see that we're doing this, uh, I see that we can do that, uh, and the end result is we can either save money or increase uh, throughput through the organization to raise top-line sales, which, of course, uh, increases some net income. Right. However, there are some occasions where you just, have to trust that this is the current technology, your competitors are or will be using it, and you can see how it will be an advantage both internally to your own people and externally to your customers and maybe even your vendors and how they deal with you. And you can't always quantify the dollar savings. Now, if you're talking about spending $4 million, well, you better damn well get close to quantifying that. But... In smaller amounts of money, many times you can't quantify it in that it might be a morale boost to your associates. And, of course, that ties into what Terry does and keeping people thinking positively uh, about their job and how to do better with their job. And when people slug into an organization every day and they grind it out and it's the same old pain in the neck, I hate doing it this way, that eats away at a company over a long period of time when you can introduce something innovative that says, God, I can't believe we finally got this. I've been talking about it for years. Then you can energize an organization and you can really take it to the next level. So we're talking about elevating not only uh, the level of work they do, but sometimes elevating themselves emotionally and personally uh, in their mind. And then you can maybe improve the direction uh, and and the strategy of, of the senior members of the organization 
and ultimately help differentiate your organization on a regular basis. I think the clear distinction that we would make in the, in the, that we make between the two the ways that we work, Glenn, is that you would you, your your type of operation is very hands on and very now oriented. In other words, you can make a big difference to an organisation in a short period of time with a certain amount of cost savings and different techniques and different um, systems and services that you provide, and they can see it happening, and you walk step by step with them. And on my side of the business, I work with more of the people side of the business, the fact that people won't cooperate as well as they should, the fact that there are often complaints and there's competitiveness and there are atmospheres and issues in the organization where people don't give their, their all. I mean, it's, it's amazing how many people go to work and at 5 o'clock they go out and live their, their real lives, <laughs> as they call it. Right. And work is just a way of earning some money. And they don't realize how vulnerable they are to being fired at any time with that kind of attitude. But uh, there's no reason in the world why people can't be excited about going to work and, and really looking forward to enjoy it, provided that the culture lends itself to that kind of innovation and lets them feel that there are opportunities. And that's really what I do, is I help people to create quantum leap opportunities. In other words, they access the intuition about where the business should be going and then, so it's more, it's more longer term. The distinction is that my, the work that I do is, is, is looking more at how can we redesign our business and how can we create a vision of it in, in a much better way. And then, um, a person like you would be extremely valuable on the, on the day to day side after that. That would be the distinction that I would make in it. That's right. And some, sometimes you, uh, in what you do can generate a culture shift in an organization. Uh, and slowly change the entire organization. And sometimes you just have to act as a catalyst to yes. generate a culture shift in a small area of an organization and let that spread like uh, like a good virus uh, throughout yes. the organization that stamps out the negativity and the bad culture. Right. So, in fact, funny enough, that's what I'm doing. The moment I get back from Tel Aviv, I've got a job on the go where we'll be talking about cultural change in the organization and how we can create the right kind of cultures. That's right, and with me, uh, it becomes similar sometimes. Sometimes a small department of the organization or a couple of departments of the organization is interested in, in accommodating some change or in some innovative thinking. They want to communicate better with the customers they have or the vendors right. they have or some other branch located right. in Tel Aviv or somewhere else in the world, and I can help them make change, and then another department looks at them. So, Glenn, let's summarize now. We have a few moments left. Let's summarize some of the areas that pieces of advice or hit the points that you made today that would make a difference so people can write down and say, these are some of the things I need to think about. Okay, sure. First, you've got you've to figure out what type of market structure your business exists in. Right. Uh, is it something where you can make uh, some minor changes and be significantly different? Is it a fast-moving industry where you've really got to keep up with uh, improvements in technology and efficiencies, or or is it different from that? Just about so define. Number one is define. That's right. Define your type of business and what you need right. to do to keep up with the competition, or, or actually, in my my impression, stay a little bit ahead of the, uh, the competition. Right. That way, you've got something to talk about because the Number competition two? around the world is, is so great these days. Right. Um, Number two. Second, you've got to have someone inside the organization to champion the idea of change. Right. Uh, they don't have to know all the answers. They just need to be able to champion the message. And three? And three is to bring in that agent of change, that catalyst, so to speak, 
and uh, make sure it's the right person. Help them work through your organization to help you to increase uh, sales, interaction with customers, and to decrease costs in processing and elevate your people's uh, level and status throughout the organization and what they do. Right. You want to contact me, I'm at business1001.com. Thank you very much, Terry. <laughs> That's great. That's Glenn P. Murray. Don't forget the P. <laughs> P stands for period there. <laughs> um, thank you very much, Glenn. I think it was very, very clear for us today. And funny enough, you were the person listening into my shows uh, that told me that we need to, we need to, to in the show, have specific points that we want to get across. But it's not just an entertainment exercise, also an educational process. Uh, next week I will once again be broadcasting from uh, from Tel Aviv, and uh, next week I will have a an Israeli businessman who will be discussing uh, an element of business that uh, will be international. I'll just have to define it very very clearly. Uh, his name is Ron Weisberg, and uh, he's been extremely successful in in a number of interest, in industries. He's chairman of a, of a number of very very large companies here in Israel. And uh, I'll be interviewing him for the show next week. I just wanted to mention to you, though, that very, very importantly, all the shows that we've been doing, and I think there are about 23 or 24 we've done, are all available in archives or on demand, as they say in the United States, off my website. My website is um, QLCAT, QL, which stands for Quantum Leap, CAT, C-A-T, which stands for Catalyst, QLCAT.com. So if you go to qlcat.com, you can access uh, the show that we're listening to today. Not only today, but at any time that you want to, the little pieces you wanted to listen to. You could also go to iTunes. Within a couple of days, it'll be uh, broadcast as an iPod on um, at webcast as a, as a as a webcast as well. All the shows are on webcast as well, and this one included. And um, if you want to know more about any of the things that uh, Glenn talked about today, get to my, you can email me, terry at qrcat.com, and you can do it directly off my website if you want to. There is a response form. And if you want to know a bit more about quantum leap result coaching, then by all means, on my website, go to it and uh, send me a message, and I'll get in touch with you. Thank you very much for listening today. Those people that are around the world and some of you that had to stay up late, Really appreciate having you, and thank you very much once again, Glenn. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, or good evening to you. Bye. Till next week, same time. <laughs> <laughs>